Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show. It's brought to you along with Levi Solicitors, who will give you a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. England played Senegal in the World Cup. Did you see that? I did. It was fun. It was. And did you see when the shot cut away to the stands who was there? A little sewer rat. I did. You saw a sewer <laughs> rat. Leeds United is not, not the first, but the second Senegalese player that Leeds had. Do you know who was the first? I do because I found this out yesterday I'd completely forgotten about him because I, I originally wrote them a prep sheet our first Senegalese player but no that was Lamine Sacco yep. who was uh, a fine player for one game under Peter Reid <laughs> followed by Amdi Fai who was the third and Bamba Dieng was almost the fourth but not quite we tried watch this space see if we can get him get him on a plane this is the TSB guide to Sewer Rat and I'm doing air quotes Sewer Rat El Hadjidjouf so let's re-rewind and go back to where he started because he's got an interesting story that saw him wind up at Liverpool. Uh, one or two controversial incidents. But <laughs> Along where, where, the way, a few bumps. A yeah. few bumps in the road. <laughs> a couple of bumps in the road. But yeah, it, it's 20 years ago, wasn't it? He was, when he kind of burst onto the scene, he'd been linked with Liverpool prior to the World Cup, but then Senegal turned up and beat France and Juve's kind of their star player. He puts the cross in and... He, during that World Cup, it's kind of announced that he's uh, he is indeed signing for Liverpool. But he's uh, he's been around a couple of clubs in France, but it's it's at Lens really where he kind of finds his feet and gets his gets his big move to Liverpool. It's Dan, Michael, and Rob by the way on the show. I forgot to introduce us oh, at hi. the start. Hello, Hello there. Uh, and I mentioned that specifically because it's such a shame. No offense to you, Rob, that Moscow's not here because we could have heard him saying the name of these French clubs uh, in his <laughs> finest French accent. So we got we got Sochaux, and Rennes, and Lens. He's got a very minimal. French accent. He, he tends to shorten words, doesn't he? So, yeah. Long. 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 So, in 2000, that's when he's moving to Long. He's at Long's. Long's. Yeah, and he's scoring goals. But then, yeah, he's... Um, and then he, the link's back to England start then. Yeah, and then after the after his World Cup performances. And I, th- I think that, from what I've read of it, the deal was more or less already done to bring him to Liverpool ahead of the World Cup. But then he, he kind of arrives in the, in the wake of Senegal's bursting onto the scene. They reached the quarterfinals that year. They obviously beat France, who were the World Cup holders. So um, he had all that. And then he went to Liverpool and was completely shit. <laughs> so that was um, it was an assist he got for Senegal against France. It was a, it was a hell of a team, wasn't it? Well, that, was, that was a 2002 World Cup. Yes. There is a, an article on that team in our new magazine. And it's quite telling how the focus is more on Papa Booba Diop than Elijah Juve. He's not the most popular guy. Hey, but he was named in the World Cup All-Star team. So don't you... You take his name out of your mouth, <laughs> to kind of phrase. 
Be nice about him. Uh, so what happened to him at Liverpool then? Because that's the, probably the time when he was most remembered. Um, also, he goes to Bolton on loan when he signed permanently. And a few fireworks, as you say. A few little wrinkles. Yeah, so he, he's signed as Liverpool's striker. He gets three goals in 53 Premier League appearances. And by 2004-05, he's, he's then out on loan at Bolton, who were, um, Sam Allardyce is in charge of them. And then he goes as a brief spell at Sunderland under Roy Keane. Sam Allardyce then gets him again. Was he sold to Sunderland? Yes, very briefly. He only spent like six months there. And then I think Roy Keane had left and Allardyce has then, by this point, arrived at Blackburn and Allardyce I'm loves just him. just trying to work out the dressing room dynamics between El Hadjouf and Roy Keane. That'd be interesting. But Allardyce obviously took a shine to him. Yeah, I mean, Allardyce actually almost jumping ahead a bit in the story. When we sign him, Allardyce nearly signs him for West Ham at that point, but there's a bit of supporter backlash at West Ham. Right. And Allardyce decides it's maybe not worth it. And we were more desperate. Essentially, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we we were more willing to take a gamble on him um, than... I, I mean, Allardyce was fairly unpopular at West Ham anyway, wasn't he? So maybe he was like, nah, it's a, it's a bridge too far. Well, let's get to the good stuff then. It was when he was at Blackburn, signed again by Allardyce, that Neil Warnock had a few words to say about him. Sewer ratting. Uh, but we'll come back to that. So incidents wherever he went, basically, it's either... Flem, he's either spitting at people or daft cars. Love spitting at people to a really weird degree. Like I've never known such a spitty footballer. It's a bit like Samuel Saez, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Carragher. I mean, Carragher, Carragher actually said some had some words to say about him. Um, he said um, he'd never met a player who seemed to care less about winning or losing. Yeah, there's a story. I think it's from his autobiography where he talks about being in Liverpool training the day after. I think they'd been knocked out of the FA Cup. Michael Owen had missed the penalty. Apparently, Michael Owen walked in absolutely distraught. And Juf rocked up in his car, just blazing music, sort of dancing across the car park. And uh, yeah, a few years later, Juve called Carragher a turkey and a shit. <laughs> Why not? Fair enough. But yeah, yeah, Liverpool. So bear in mind, he's only there a couple of years. He managed to spit. Well, West Ham fans claim he spat at them, which again yeah. is maybe part of the backlash for them. Not wanting to sign him later on. Not proven. Not proven. Proven to have spat at Celtic fans, yep. which maybe plays him to him signing for Rangers later in his career. Maybe yes. they're like, he's a good lad. I like I, I like the cut of his jib. Um, Fuel that sectarianism. When he's at Bolton, he's spits in the face. Let me just ask before you get to it. Who's his victim? Is it some beefy football fan? No. <laughs> it's an 11-year-old child he spits at. An 11-year-old fan. And then also spits into the face of, I think, Portsmouth. Arjan Dezau, right. I think you pronounce it. Dezau. Dezau, that's it, sorry. Yeah. He's like a detective now, isn't he? Bit of a sidetrack for you. Yeah, that's oh, what he went into post-retirement. Uh, this is a revelation, Rob, I never knew this. Um, on to the cars, please. Well, yeah, I mean, he's involved in a few a few motoring offences. In France, he's driven without a licence already. That's before he even gets to England. I mean, his cars... Ridic- if you, ridiculous. If you Google Doof car, you'll see he likes a shiny vehicle. Yeah, and we're talking, we're talking gold plate shiny vehicles. He was one of the footballers who, and I know there's a, a bit of a trend for this because I've been sent photos. I think it's, um, who's the fast guy at Newcastle? What's his name? Maximum. Mm. Uh, a mate of mine up there saw Maximum just parked on double yellow lines. So if you get a ticket, it's 60 quid or whatever. Just pay it. <laughs> just, park, just basically park wherever you want when you're a footballer because you can afford the tickets. And he, that's what he used to do. Juf, didn't he? Famously, just park his car anywhere. And it was fairly conspicuous. Yeah. being There aren't many gold-plated um <laughs> Was it, it wasn't Hummer, was it? But it was some other enormous... Well, he had a few. He had a, he had a Mercedes. He had and a silver-plated one and a gold-plated one. I think, I think the gold-plated one was the car and then it might be a silver-plated Hummer. <laughs> so, yeah, you're just getting a picture of the guy anyway. Yeah. And not bad. 
Let's <laughs> not forget the nightclub brawl in 2012 as well. Yeah, and there was a really weird prank phone call, which I, I've completely forgotten about this, but the, the audio of it still exists. I'm not entirely sure what the setup of it was, but Moscow mentioned it. I was looking back in um, an issue of Square Ball from when we signed him, and Moscow had mentioned it in, in his article about him. And he threatens to fuck someone's mum and kids. Nice. Uh, well, not just that. He said, I will fuck you, your mum, your kids, everything. Wow. Yes. And if you have a daughter like one year old, I will fuck her as well, is what he said to someone on it, which is a weird place to go. I hope the algorithm doesn't kill us for saying that. <laughs> on a prank phone call. <laughs> yeah. It feels like if there's a line, he's not just crossed it, he's leapt across the line. Yeah. Leave it at the mums, maybe. Because if that was a prank phone call, I'd hate to hear a sinister one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the prank was on him, in fairness. I don't think that, oh, was, right. him. I don't think that was him doing the prank. It was some, it was some admittedly, probably knobheads ringing him up trying to get a reaction. Right. And boy, did they get one. But they probably went, fucking hell. Yeah. Like, sorry. <laughs> Calm down, Jufy. Yes. Where were Leeds? This is the question. So the nightclub brawl, 2012, where were we? Fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Short version. That's how this That's how this happened. Yeah, so this is the summer of Warnock. We've still got Bates in charge, but there's GFH. Is this the, only 10 years ago? In the background. Is yeah. this 10 years ago? <laughs> this is 10 years ago. Wow. Uh, it feels you know, like... people, people always say be grateful for what we've got now because it could be worse and I always think well yeah but you can't compare oranges with apples you know you always got to judge each regime on the basis mm. of what it achieves but then I'm now reading this and thinking yeah brilliant I think <laughs> well done mo- everyone the most frightening thing is that we would go into these summers and really try our best to be sort of optimistic about mm. it and you're going oh fresh start Warnock got his own boys in now as Paddy Kenny arrived and Lee Peltier and Jason Pierce, the they'll, they'll buy into the project Rob yeah it's his team He's a promotion specialist. Remember, we beat Wolves on the opening day. Becky was there, and you think, oh, maybe we're going to be all right. Maybe. Mm. Yeah, but uh, we also get Juve. So Juve's a late arrival in this season. We got the we got the big guns in early, like um, Varney and Norris, Ashdown and Pierce. They were the, they were all the his Portsmouth boys. Obviously, Paddy was first in, and it was Joel Ward who we didn't get, wasn't it? That summer, mm-hmm. who's the one who's turned still... out, the one who's turned out to have a long and successful Premier League career. It was like four hundred grand we didn't have, we couldn't find for him, wasn't it? Michael Brown was already here for him as well. He was an he was. and I think Tongi arrived later. In, it was this season. Tongi arrived on loan, mm-hmm. I think, didn't yeah. he? At some point. So, so is it fair to say we were quite workmanlike? Yes, and we'd sold the the key part here. I think is that we'd sold Snoddy in this summer as well who was our skillful player. We, we were allowed one. You don't, he, you, he don't, you don't sell your captain, as Snoddy said. Mm, we did. And again, we and did again, again and again. Again. So yeah, I think having lost Snoddy, there was a feeling that someone needed, we needed someone who was actually good at football. And Duke, for all his faults, <laughs> for all his faults, had been a, a fairly all right Premier League footballer for a lot of his career. Yes. I know he didn't work out for him at Liverpool, but he was, he was fairly effective at, at Bolton and Blackburn. Yeah for as much as he was also... Fairly effective. Damned by faint praise. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want to praise him too much because of what he's like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so he comes into a Neil Warnock managed Leeds United and this is where we'll return back to the history of this and the sewer rat, uh, the origin of the sewer rat comments. So Warnock's at QPR. This is back in 2011. So it's fairly recent mm. versus him arriving at Leeds. Jamie Mackey breaks his leg and well, it wasn't Juve that made the tackle. He did decide to taunt him. Yeah, so this is from Mackie's account of it. He's on the ground with a broken leg and Juve's saying, fuck you and fuck your leg. And he, Mackie just goes on to say that, you know, most of us wouldn't wish bad things on people, but he's different. There's no room for it in the game. He's a complete disgrace. Um, he says, I'm trying hard not to think about Juve. That's because when I do, it makes me want to snap off my cast and run up there and find him. Um, he wouldn't so, be running, would he? Well, no, that's that's very true. So he said that, and that we need Moscow for Warnock, but... Um, 
Yeah. This is when Warnock, who was QPR's manager at the time, comes out and says, for many years I thought that Juve was the gutter type. I was going to call him a sewer rat, but that might be insulting to sewer rats. No, I saw the, the name of this show. It's wrong, isn't it? The gutter type it should have been, not the sewer <laughs> rat. So he never actually called him it. And He just suggested it. Juve replied as well, who is Warnock? He's nothing to me. I do like this bit. He's not Alex Ferguson. He's not Arsene Wenger. He's not Sam Allardyce. <laughs> <laughs> he's not example A. He's not example B. He's example... Sam Allardyce did some good things for Juve. He did. So I guess he can... I guess I can see why he liked him so much. I know he doesn't like me, but it's the same for me too. I don't like him. Um, and then, oh, there's some follow-up as well. This is a good quote. I can't stand him. He's not a good manager. Nobody has heard of him outside of this country. So who cares what he thinks about me? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, El Hajj. Welcome to Leeds. Yeah, so what, there's a bridge, obviously, here between to be built between Jufi and Warnock because they don't seem on the best of terms Not at yet, this point. No. And the bridge seems to be Willie Mackay, probably. So who's Willie Mackay, then, for the benefit of anybody who doesn't know? Willie Mackay is a footballer. I think he was referred to as an intermediary yes. when when Juf is is discussed. But he is more famous recently for being the man who organised Emiliano Salas transfer to Cardiff which obviously ended up with him dying so at this point Willie Mackay is has been left in charge of transfers at Doncaster and they're going through a system of getting in big names either on loan or free like on free transfers to try and build them up to then resell so Mackay is in charge of that Dean Saunders is manager and they've got people like Juf there Chimbonda's there um, Ilunga's there on loan from West Ham I think mm. um, he's got a few Senegalese players in kind of in within this stable, a lot of French speaking players are, are in there at this time, and so he's there. And Warnock likes Willie Mackay, he might not like Jufi, but, um, but he's always had a lot of time for Mackay. I actually wrote about uh Willie Mackay's involvement with Leeds, uh, for issue two of the mag this season. And there's a little story about his time with Doncaster there. And because actually, Doncaster were on a very good trajectory at that point I think Sean O'Driscoll was mm. promising young manager had taken him from League 2 to the Championship they'd obviously beaten Leeds in the playoff final in League 1 and Sean O'Driscoll uh, didn't last long as soon as Mackay was involved because he's a good bloke I suspect <laughs> uh, but he tells a story this was to the popular stand fanzine uh, one of the players rang me up saying we've just stopped at a service station on the way to a game and two of the new players have got on the bus with KFC and nobody has said anything uh, the player is going, it's taken us five years to build this thing up and within two months they've destroyed it. And yeah, all, the, all that promise of big names like Juve uh, ended with Doncaster finishing bottom of the championship 12 points away from self. John Ryan, who was their owner. Is he still there, John Ryan? I don't. Maybe they've sold up, I don't know, but he described it as an so. experiment, as so the experiment is over. Yeah. and, and not, our, not, not sustainable in the third tier. And the Leeds involvement with Mackay was he was central to a lot of the um, the plays we brought in in our relegation season people like Peter Reid wasn't it was the boss then people like um, Sacco in fact who we mm. already mentioned our first Senegalese player he was, he was one of those he'd actually tried to get involved with Leeds uh, a few years earlier under Dave, David O'Leary to the extent that he bid at a charity auction to spend a day with David O'Leary and won but the, uh, something happened so the day never actually took place but he just had to wait for O'Leary to get sacked and us to spiral into <laughs> descent for uh, us to get desperate enough to get involved with him and you'll remember his sons played for Leeds at one point. Yes. Mackay, Paul Mackay, the centre back, played in the defeat at Sutton. Yes. And he, the, his son, Gary, Gary Monk, that his one. His sons, uh, yes. His sons were at Doncaster, funnily enough. Then oh. they were at Leeds. Right. Then they were at Cardiff. Mm. It was Cardiff manager at the time. It was Neil Watt, I think. <laughs> Bloody hell. At a later point. Small yeah, so, world, isn't it? So he's, he's able to sort out some good transfers for his talentless sons. 
is what he was able to do. <laughs> it's fair to say neither of them have. Um, I think one of them's playing like Queen Scottish of the South, or something, second division yeah. or something, aren't they now? Which is about the level from what we've seen. So we interfaced with Doncaster as well during this spell. Yeah. So it, the Warnock's first season, not really his first game, but the game where he's in the stands and Redfern's in charge. We're two 0 down to Doncaster. The story as Warnock tells it is that he goes down to the dressing room, sorts it all out. We win. Th- we go on to win three two. That, that's the Warnock side of the myth. That's the Warnock side of it. Yeah, that he goes down. And, I just shared. It. I think wasn't going to be in charge. I just share a few things with deal. All that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, but in that game, that's the that's Juve playing against us, and it all goes fucking mad well, after it, the game. He played the full ninety, didn't he, in this game? Yes, and causes some chaos in the tunnel. El Hadj Juve does. Apparently, <laughs> so. color me surprised. Yeah. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Absolutely. It was absolute carnage. So this is Andy Lonergan who's speaking on, on Under the Cosh and describes it as absolute carnage. Yeah. So it, Darren O'Day was, this is again Lonergan's account of it, but um, Darren O'Day is having a thing with El Hadjouf. He says, I think Juve spat at him or scratched him on the way past. So <laughs> Great. just cannot keep his phlegm in his mouth, can't, can't Juve. Um, and then... The police were involved in this one as <laughs> yeah. well. Darren O'Dare to go to the police station. <laughs> the, uh, the police, yeah, the police investigated this and it took months. And I think Andy Lonergan tells a story, maybe on the same podcast, about it all kicked off. There was a brawl uh, down the tunnel. And I think it was Alex Bruce went back into the changing rooms after it had all calmed down and was sort of claiming that, oh, yeah, I was getting right stuck in. You should have seen me throwing punches everywhere. And then they actually looked at the CCTV footage later on and he was just sort of cowering in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, hold me back hold yeah. me back lads Darren O'Day to be fair to him not a great footballer but I wouldn't want to fuck with him he's a big yeah. bloke yeah. so so fast forward to <laughs> signing Juve then and, and he came in very much with an understated arrival just I'm p- just pleased to be here uh, it's an honest play no if I help Leeds get into the Premier League then I'll be a legend which is <laughs> I mean to be fair it's true it is true get a, get a club promoted and you do go down in history don't you mm. so he signs on a, just a week to week basis to begin with, and he plays uh, against Shrewsbury in the League Cup, which I remember, I, weirdly, I remember being in the West Stand for this with Moscow. I don't know how quite Alice had, had ended up uh, happening, but he got he did get booed both when his name was announced and then when he came on, there was 
a bit of disquiet around his signing. People were not exactly not exactly thrilled by about him. Um, and Warnock, for his part, was trying his best to smooth it over, despite the fact he'd done all these things before, and one of his most vocal critics had been Neil Warnock. But for whatever reason, <laughs> Neil Warnock. I mean, everybody loves like you, you know you watch like the X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, that kind of thing. Everybody loves a story arc and a redemption arc at that. Mm. And he managed to to turn the tide on his uh, on his story, did he? Did he? Well, it was the it was the Everton the two one winning the League Cup, which was a great victory. To be fair, mm. one of Warnock's few proper high points, I think that one. Everton were good as well; they were yeah. third in the mm. league at that time. Um, but yeah, he Juve was good in that. Um, and after after that, I think it's it's around this time we start we give him a, a contract to January, I think, to begin with. Then it gets bumped onto the end of the year, so he's we kind of keep we're, we're having a look at him and sort of. It actually seems you haven't caused seems, trouble yet. He seems kind of all right. I think he actually got an eighteen-month extension, which I mean, we'll get onto the second twelve months, but yeah, a little bit wasted. But I, th- I do seem to remember at the time there was a bit of clamour to get him signed to a longer-term deal because he did mm. come in and I d- he didn't set the world alight, but he did have that technical ability which was lacking from players like Paul Green <laughs> and David Norris. That's and a very, Brown. that's a very kind way of putting it. I think overall. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting going back to just Warnock's comments in the in the post Everton uh, post Everton interviews. Can somebody do the? I know we don't have Moscow, but can you, you're you're a close approximation to it, Michael. Just we, we need to get that that tone right. I met him in summer, and after I told him a few other truths, we we got on. I said I said I'll get him fit, and he'd be surprised how good he can be. Even a good pro like Phil Lever was so impressed. He said to me after the game, "What have you done with you?" <laughs> so nobody said more about him than me. But I met him in the summer, and after I had told him a few home truths, we got on. I said, I'll get him fit and he'll be surprised how good he'll be. So Neil Warnock there, again, another very, very understated, modest character. And we know we know already that prior to this meeting that Juf had the utmost respect for um, <laughs> for, for Neil Warnock, didn't he? Saying he's never fucking heard of him and no one knows who he is and he's not Sam Allardyce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the power's all in his hands. Moscow wasn't impressed though, was it? It's a shame he's not here to redo his words in his voice, but he uh, in the mag at the time, not a fan. No. Mainly on moral grounds. And golden fair. Cadillacs. There we go. He mentions it. Golden Cadillacs. That's what he had. Yeah, a gold Cadillac. He says you don't you don't need um, a sensitive moral barometer to see this as yet another erosion of standards at Leeds. And he was right. In fairness, it was. Um, it did seem like pure desperation and accepting of a player that morally we w- we absolutely didn't want to touch because we had no one else. But that's what being stuck in the championship does to you. And also, there was a bit of kind of reframing of people trying to kind of kid themselves into thinking, well, he's dirty leads, I guess, which is basically just, mm. he's a wanker. But uh, as Moscow pointed out, uh, sort of using Norman Hunter as the example, I guess he's like the atypical dirty leads player. And he was making the point of, would he, would Norman Hunter spit at a fan and drive away in a gold-plated car boasting about his earnings? No, that's <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> and the same goes for Vinnie Jones as well, who did so much work with Ludo, the Legion United mm. Disabled Organisation. He was, you know, hugely involved there, and he came in with exactly the same sort of reputation within football, didn't he? As, as a complete bad boy, and he was a saint at Leeds. Was Vinnie Jones? Juve, maybe not so much. Um, was he actually any good? That's the question. Was he any good? He wasn't terrible. He really wasn't. But was he good? He was one of our better players for a lot of this mm. season. But when you look at the rest of the players, it does sort of fall into place why he was one of the better ones. Yeah. And he didn't do anything idiotic for quite a while. Is the best thing I can say. <laughs> I think he had one of his better runs. Yeah, 40, well, 45 games in all competitions in that first season, seven goals. Yeah, I mean, he was... He was named as captain. He didn't complete many 90-minute many periods. No, he was, was captain for the game 
at Bolton I think, in the October of that season, which was probably a symbolic move, you guess. Yeah, I think that was Warnock just trying to be a bit of a wind-up merchant and making him captain for his return to his former club. Uh, but he didn't score in the league between November and May, so it was kind of a bit hit. <laughs> that was the thing, there was a bit of um, suspicion that he sort of knew when to turn it on. So you'd get games like against Everton when it was in the Cup and Sky TV were there. And likewise against Spurs, who we'd beat in January at the FA Cup, which is another really good win. Kind of a very rare bright moment under Warnock and it was Daniel Taylor uh, writing in The Guardian uh, Chief had one of those games that made you wish he could have avoided those incidents that condemn him as one of the more, more reviled figures in football which is kind of I guess how we'd have felt when he did play well you sort of think oh, I mean, I'm sort of glad that he's playing well for Leeds but also you couldn't quite you could, I mean obviously you can never warm to him you can mm-hmm. never particularly enjoy it to its fullest and we turn back to the mag as a nice document of what happened at the time end of his first season at Allen Road at least when the chips are down says we think it's Jenny Berry who wrote this um, mm. in the play reviews well, at least when the chips are down the gravy has gone cold you can always rely on Juve to come on late in the game and to be a completely irritating twat to the opposition to win the softest free kicks and time wasting throw-ins amen brother yeah I mean she does say he's, his quality occasionally shone through in a largely unforgettable season and it was a really really bad season like this is the this is the year when we're like we got Steve Morrison's arriving we, it was, the whole thing was really toxic there was Juve there to start with, there's Warnock there. There's the you've got a really long-winded takeover going on. You've got Bates slagging people off everywhere. Like the whole the whole club was awful. Toxic was just so toxic. So in some ways, Juve was not as toxic as you necessarily expected. He he's kind of involved though at the same time. Like <laughs> it, it, I think his presence kind of upset other people. I think Ross McCormack in particular, who didn't get on with Neil Warnock. And I don't think Warnock ever really needed an excuse not to play McCormack. Mm. But it was like, oh, well, I've got Juve. He's the flair player. We can't have you in the team as well. McCormack was under Willie Mackay as well at one stage. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, there was a game at Ipswich later on in the season, which Warnock basically just let Juve have off. He was like, oh, don't you worry about travelling all this way. And he dragged Chris Dawson, our great young hope, away from, I think it was celebrating like winning mm. the league with the academy. And he left him as an unused sub down there and he took McCormack to Ipswich. I think he left him on the bench, but he did bring him on. And McCormack wasn't very happy about uh, the difference in treatment. And actually, Warnock got the the leadership council in, which was basically Brownie, Kenny, all, all them. And they kind of told McCormack off. And it was then the next game against Derby when McCormack came off the bench, scored and shouted fuck off at Neil Warner. <laughs> Which was the end of Warnock, wasn't it, that game? Yeah, I it was a beautiful was... ending, actually. Yeah, so we lost, we lost that one. And then, um, and then sure enough, Warnock was gone. So we've got Brian McDermott. Brian McDermott is in by the end of the season, which is the final game, final home game anyway, which is after that positive review of him in the magazine. Yep. Juve returns what to his, his, his natural wrong? form. Yeah. Um, scores a goal against Brighton and then... It was r- about penalty, wasn't it? Runs over to their fans, grabbing his cock and balls... And gets himself sent off. Yes. Was he even bothered? Who knows? <laughs> and we lost the game anyway. Having 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 done that, we went we go and lose it in the to Gus Poets uh, Brighton a late a late goal. Um, ends, funny, up, ends up winning it for them. Funny reading um, Brian McDermott's comments, particularly when you view it through the prism of like, have you seen the interviews he's done recently? Brian McDermott. He's just come across as a very thoroughly thoroughly decent man, absolutely plagued by imposter syndrome throughout his career, and yet. There's a moment where he's quite assertive about Juve here and he just says, I, I just cannot understand him. And, and maybe, maybe he can't understand himself. <laughs> what he did is not clever. He's got to learn. He's, I mean, he's, he's in his, like, he's at 32, 33 at this stage, so he's got to learn. But um, yes, yeah, so he's got to be accountable for his action. These things are dotted around his career. He can be a match winner 
and I've told him he has to let his football do the talking. If you run 50 yards and make a gesture, that is not a heat of the moment thing. Yeah, and it, it, I guess the penalty, I can't actually remember the incident particularly, but I'm guessing it means the penalty was at the, was it at the cop end? And yeah. did, he, did he run the, so he's gone to the opposite <laughs> end of the ground to <laughs> cup himself in front of the away fans. Which we've all done. Oh, it's easy done. <laughs> heat at the moment. I mean, we can rattle through the second season because it's fairly unspectacular. Seven appearances. In my mind, he cups his knob against Brighton and that's it. He goes, but he's just on around that, for another season. Just on that note, I think one of my mates who lives abroad, that was his final game watching Leeds before he moved abroad. It's the last one he saw when he came back over. Ah, happy poor, times. Poor sod. Um, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was him bombed out after that, but he wasn't, was he? He stuck around a bit, stinking Come, the place out. Couldn't get rid of him after that. Well, yeah, I think that was where that 18-month contract extension Leeds started to regret because I don't think McDermott really fancied using him at all. He was placed on the transfer list that summer, I believe. I think it was even, cl- someone, some team in France actually claimed they'd signed him and Leeds had to say, actually, no, that, that hasn't happened. I yeah, think. a team in Guinea was oh, was, was, was saying that they would sign him. It was like, it seemed to have been released as a done deal at some point and then everyone was like, no, 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 that's not that's not happening. Get the front of Willie. So we got stuck with him for another year, but he spent um, a lot of that season injured and at funerals. He loved the funeral, didn't he? There were a lot of funerals he kept going to those. He did. He, one of them was Nelson Mandela's, in fairness. Yeah. And one of them was uh, Bruno Metsu as well, who had been his manager at Senegal. So probably allow him for to those ones. Yeah, but it feels like he almost got a, a taste for it as that was how you get your time off. Um, so we'll arrange another one. I seem to then. remember there was a game as well where I think there was a bit of a clamour to get Juve back in the team again because they were just lacking a bit of flair. And I think McDermott did bring him on or even start him just as like a look this is the state he's currently in and he was a bit larger than he should have been Appre- appreciated by the club though Rob because there was a £100,000 donation to his charity for his great charitable work I'm sure that was well was. spent yeah so that was there in the books mm-hmm. good um, stuff yeah uh, and uh, there were allegations of him inciting a riot at a Senegal game which is great this was actually from the start of the previous season it, it does sort of sum up the, the genuine the general mood of Leeds at the time because uh, while there were allegations of Juf starting a riot at a Senegal game which postponed a AFCON qualifier against the Ivory Coast, it was the same international break that Tom Lees was wanted by the Serbian police uh, for fighting <laughs> racists, which I wrote another TSB guide to on our blog. Uh, and on the same day that Tom Lees was fighting racists, Lees were being fined 25 grand by the FA which was for the brawl against Doncaster, which Juve had started for <laughs> Doncaster. Um, and that was because the police had finally concluded their investigation. And then in the very next game after that international break, it was the draw at Hillsborough in which one of our fans punched Chris Cohen. <laughs> yeah, it was a fairly hateful season. Wasn't oh, that? great times. Such a, such a, lov- such a lovely, lovely club at that point. <laughs> and I mean, the denouement here is the child. <laughs> who's presumably a little bit older now, maybe looks back on that differently. I mean, in some ways, this goes to show that people did like Juve because yeah. it was misplaced. I think we can all agree, the Juve child. What we are describing is is a white child who was who was doing blackface to look like... With a mohawk. Juve, yeah. And it was it was intended as a tribute, but again, hasn't aged particularly well, I think, is it, it, the kindest thing we can say about I it. I mean, it wasn't great at the time, no. <laughs> as I remember it. It was one of those things. I mean, because Juve saw him and had pictures and seemed kind of on board with it... Yeah. I think, and it was a kid. People sort of went, "Okay, yeah. if that's if that's what you're going to do, I suppose you've probably got to blame the parents, haven't you, for something <laughs> for something like that occurring? You've got to reach a point where you go, no, not 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 that, please.' And what's great about the internet is that photo lives forever now. 
It on, does. Like things on the internet. Although, do. on the plus side, the child is probably not that easy to recognise as, as an adult. No, absolutely. Which is probably for the best. Probably for the best. And there you go. That is the TSB guide to Sewer Rat, inverted commas, El Hajjouf. We'll speak to you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.